All right, let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 13. We'll read verse 34 and verse 35. I'm glad we're not in competition with this preaching. After Brother Tim preached uh, this morning, I just take my Bible and go home. Uh, Brother Tim's pastor was the pastor of that, I call it a storefront church, uh, back in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, that preached to me the gospel. And I was saved as a result of that. And uh, I thank the Lord for how God has used Brother Jim and then Brother Tim. And his hand has been on their lives. And... Uh, it's how through the years uh, God has continued to work. I, I thank him for it. I love to come to these meetings. There's a lot of preachers here. I like preaching to preachers because I love preaching to sinners. <laughs> and I'll tell you, we preachers realize we need it more than anybody else, don't we? And then I like how everybody ages. I like to see how we season out, you know. I learned the four stages of aging recently. It applies to everybody. Uh, the first one is you begin by believing in Santa Claus. That's how you started, believing in Santa Claus. And then you get old enough to where you don't believe in Santa Claus. And then you get married and have children and you are Santa Claus. And then you start looking like Santa Claus. <laughs> and somebody told me the other day I look like Santa Claus. I said, that's ridiculous. He, he's short, fat, and gray-headed. <laughs> I don't see no resemblance to you. <laughs> now watch it now. I hear it back there. <laughs> I love the emphasis uh, when you come to a meeting like this. It's an emphasis of truth out of all of its uh, channels and veins that comes from Christ. And today we have had that emphasis of the church. Aren't you glad for the church? Uh, I think if anything, the greatest positive thing that came out of this COVID thing to me is that I, I realize my need of her. I realized afresh and anew my need of the church. It wasn't so much that the church needed me. Yeah. Wow. Boy, I need you. Yeah. And uh, that fellowship and that worship and that communion and for be, to be able to get together and you to testify on what God has done in your life uh, on a day before or a week before or whatever, how that strengthens me. And uh, as I leave the churches one after another, shaking hands with the saints, and they share with me what's on their hearts, uh, I love the church. Amen. And I love the Bible. The Bible's yes, been preached about and on this whole week, but extolled uh, today. How precious the Word of God is. Yes. And one of the things of many that Brother Jim put in my heart was the need to dedicate myself to the Bible. 
And I have through all of these years. I thank God for the scriptures. I always say it's, it's, the, it's a hard thing. You know, they say there's three things hard to do in life. One is to climb a fence leaning from you. Uh, uh, to climb a yeah, fence leaning uh, to you. I'll get that right. And then to kiss a girl leaning from you. And to preach last on a morning meeting when everybody's hungry and sleepy. <laughs> now, I've tried two of those. Ain't none of your business, so anyway... <laughs> I'm going to read verse 34, verse 35 of Matthew chapter number 13. The Bible said, All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. I want to preach for a few moments introducing this matter of the parables. Simply put, the word parable means to take objects and lay them down side by side, parallel. To analyze them and see reflections of one in the other. The likenesses and the differences. We're familiar with the parables that Jesus used to draw out of these short stories with heavenly truths in them. The story of the prodigal son. What a prominent parable. The story of the Good Samaritan, I like to call it the God Samaritan. The story of the lost sheep and the shepherd, or the rich fool in his barns, or the man who built his house on the sand or built it on the rock. It is Jesus is giving us these great stories, not as bedtime stories. Not to entertain us or amuse us. Not to intrigue us or captivate us. But these are life-changing stories. And I want to, I want to, I, I, I have titled this in the series. I'll only give you the introduction today. Is I call it Worlds Apart. Brought together by Jesus in the parables. Worlds that seem so far apart. He brings them together and he lays them down and out of them he shows us what we need to see. And he tells us what we need to hear out of these stories. I want to just give you the four worlds. And I challenge you to read these some 40 odd parables. And in each one of these parables, you're going to find these four worlds that Jesus lays down and draws out of these parables. Let me just jump into them. First of all, in any parable that you come to that Jesus speaks, you're going to see the natural world. The eternal God goes to nature. To reveal eternal truths. In every parable, 
You see nature as God created it and nature as we have experienced it. In other words, there are no make-believe. There is no make-believe in the parables. There's no science fiction or fairy tales in the parable. There are no beings such as ETs or there's no flying dragons or monsters or there's no Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Narnia by C.S. Lewis. These are true-to-life stories. And whether you have experienced them as he tells them or not, someone has. Within these stories, you're going to find real places. You're going to find real people. You're going to find real experiences. And as those people listened to him tell those parables, he was coming to their environment. He was coming into where they live. He was coming to what they were born into, nature itself. And it is there he would paint that picture and he would tell that story because he was speaking to them their language. They understood. When he spoke about a shepherd, they could look upon the hill and see the shepherd and the sheep. When he talked about the rock building your house or upon the sand, they could look and see that in clear view. When he talked about building the barns, they didn't have to look far, but what they could see the barns. When he talked about the lilies, uh, they, could, they could see the lilies in eye view or the sparrows that were uh, flying through the air or whatever the, 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 uh, the story contained. It was something that had something to do with what they knew. He was coming into their world. Ordinary stories... To ordinary people in ordinary places. Nature as they knew and as they knew about. The good, he was coming to their avenue, to their street. He was coming to their county. He was coming to where they are. Aren't you glad the Lord knows where you are? His book speaks to you in reference as to where you are. And he comes to your level and there he reveals these heavenly truths in connection to the things that you experience and the things that you know. He comes to the natural. It all begins here. It begins, life itself for you began in the realm of the natural. And so he comes. And in those stories, you will find that life had within it the good, the bad, and the ugly. And all of those parables in the natural, you find the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh got a preacher friend in Florence, Alabama, and I call him the philosopher because of the way he words things. And he said to me and has said on many occasions, no matter what you're going through, whatever it is, 
If you line all those letters up just right, it spells life. L-I-F-E. And isn't it true for all of us, we have to live life where we're at. We all have to go through the experiences that life offers. And as it was and is in all of these parables, no matter what uh, the story is about, it has something to do with somebody that is going through that in the natural realm. I'm glad, I'm glad that Jesus came to me in the natural. He presented himself to me as life was at that time. And he still speaks to me as I live in the natural, in this world. Aren't you glad for a Jesus that's willing to speak to us as we are and who we are and where we are in the natural, in the natural. If you ever hear from him, you'll hear from him in the natural. It is in this world that he comes to speak. Good. And in life, there are the delights on every level. And there are the dangers. And he brings them to our attention. The natural world. That's where you are right now. That's where I am right now. Whatever it may contain, whatever you may be going, that's where you are and that's where Jesus came in these short heavenly stories. So the first thing is obvious. It's the natural world. Every one of them is filled with the natural. But it is there in the midst of the natural that Jesus realizes that there's more to this world than just this world. It is in this world he reveals in every parable that there is another world. Because through his eyes he not only saw the natural but in the midst of everything natural he saw the spiritual. In every parable there is the natural but in every parable, thank God, there is the spiritual. Jesus was the greatest parabolic speaker that has ever been. Why? Because no one knew nature like he did. Without him was not anything created made that was created. He made it all. He knew everything about nature in all of its forms. Whether it's humanity, whether it's plant life, whether it's animal life, whether it is wet weather, whatever the elements are, he knew it all. Everything down to the molecule and beyond that, he knew it all and he became part of that nature. But at the same time, no one knew the spiritual like he did. He's qualified to speak the parables because he knows the natural and he knows the spiritual because he was God manifested in the natural, in the flesh. And here in these parables, he unfolds using the natural that there is a spiritual. But isn't that true in all of our lives? Yes. That it was here on earth 
that we found out there was a heaven. It was through our first birth that we found out there was a second birth. Jesus looked at it like that way. When he looked at the natural, he saw the reflections of the spiritual. You say, how can that be? Because the God of heaven who made earth put the DNA of both uh, of, of it in both of them. So when you look in the natural, if you see it right, you see the spiritual. The DNA is there. He made it that way. When he looked at wind, he said, that ain't wind, that's the spirit. When he looked at water, he said, that ain't water, that's the word of God. When he looked at sheep, he said, that ain't sheep, that's the children of God. When he looked at the shepherd, he said, that ain't just a shepherd, that's the great shepherd. Everything he saw in the natural, he saw the spiritual. And can I say to you, child of God, don't let this world blind you in the physical from letting you see what God's doing in the spiritual. Look around. Heaven on earth. As a matter of fact, I would say to you, if you're waiting to get to heaven, to experience heaven, you're not going to heaven. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. If you're waiting to heaven to see all of heaven, you're not going to heaven, honey. I've already seen it here. Matter of fact, if you see it just right, there ain't nothing right now happening in heaven that can't happen right here as the children of God. They're praising him in heaven. We can praise him here. They're worshiping in heaven. We can worship him. They're bowing in heaven. We can bow here. There is the spiritual that is seen in the physical. Psalm 119, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth this handiwork. Day into day uttereth speech and night into night uttereth knowledge. He said if you look at it just right, you're going to see more than you're seeing. There's more to what you're going through than what you're going through. There's more to where you're living than where you're living. There's more to it, thank God, than this world. I got good news. There's another world if you can see it. And Jesus gave the parables to take us into the natural so in the natural he can show us the spiritual. To let us see. Romans 1.20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Jesus looked at a lily. He said, my father clothed that. When he looked at the sparrow, he said, my father fed that. Everything had a spiritual aspect to it and meaning because that world is bigger than this world. And the reason for this world is that world. It's a revelation that there's more to this than this. Amen. And can I say to you, 
of the natural with all the natural has to offer, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But while you're there, no matter what you're into, look at it. Look and see what you're looking at and see what you're seeing because I want you to know there's more there to say. Walking down that little old alley all by myself. Between West 46 and 7th Street, Clark and Train. I found out there's more to it. And for all of these years, 53 years, I've been seeing more to it. There is the natural world. In every parable, there is the spiritual world. But then I would say to you that in every parable, you can analyze them if you'd like, you'll see the individual's world or the personal world. In other words, the reason for these parables are not only a revelation, but the reason for these parables is that they are, they are they are parables of application every parable is given so that every individual can find himself inside that parable <laughs> that's so pre- what's so precious about the word of god that uh, brother tim was just now preaching is that this book is personal it is Nathan, as Nathan the prophet going uh, unto David and, and giving him that parable. And it just goes over David's head. He said, man, if I get a hold of that guy, I'll skin him, I'll kill him, I'll do whatever. He said, no, you're not getting it. You're the guy this is talking about. <laughs> I'm glad I found out I was the guy that the word of God was talking about when it told me to believe and told me to be saved and told me to accept Christ. I'm glad I many times reading the word of God have been the man that he's been talking to. I'm glad he wrote this whole book for one person. That was me. I was so blessed talking to a 92-year-old lady the other day. She was talking about the circumstances of America in this old world. But she said, Preacher, I got something to say to you. I said, Well, say it. She took her hand and slapped 92 years old. She said, My book tells me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that little phrase, My book, 92 years old. My book. Hey, this ain't just a Bible, it's my book. You see, those parables do you no good unless you find yourself. Unless the Lord reveals you yourself within the parable. Maybe you're the man that's half dead that the good Samaritan goes and restores to life. Maybe you're the prodigals in the far country or you have been there and you'd say, well, that was me. Or maybe you're the one that's come to his senses and you're headed back home. Or maybe you're the father that's waiting on a child that's out there somewhere praying that God will bring him back. Somewhere in that parable. Maybe you're the guy that's built your house on the sand and you realize you ought to build it upon the, the rock. 
in all of those parables. Look at them closely and you will say, whoa, wait a minute. I think that's me. I think I'm the elder brother that's bitter about everything unfolding for my younger brother. I mean, that sounds like me. That's me that's worked all day and mad because somebody come in last and God paid as much as the first. I'm upset about that. Wait a minute. That's me. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer when this old book points you out in the parables. I was visiting with a fella that I pastored. He said, Preacher, I want to show you this. I'm talking about this matter of you seeing yourself. You can't get no help from it unless you're in there. Yes. You can come here to all this meeting. They can preach all of us till we're blue in the face and sing, but until it gets personal. That's right. He had a little poodle dog. He picked him up and he walked over to a hall that went down the length of his house with bedrooms and bathrooms on the side. At the end was a full-length mirror on the wall. He said, I want you to watch this. Now, don't tell Peter. I didn't do this. He did. He took that little poodle dog and turned it toward that mirror. Man, I mean, it just, it upset him. He put it down on that hardwood floor. And man, he tried to pick up momentum. He was scratching that floor and couldn't get to going too fast until he got two-thirds of the way down. And it was full motion, full speed ahead. And about that time, it slammed right into that mirror. And turned around and come back. He said, Preacher, the strange thing about it is we have to keep him away from this hall because he always thinks that's that's another dog. That's not him. And we're afraid he's going to kill himself. Well, I'm here to tell you, this old book will kill you unless you find yourself in it. These parables will kill you. You'll be bouncing off the wall of the mirror. I mean, blaming everybody and trying to eat up everybody and living in anger because you hadn't seen yourself. I'm glad for the times the light come on and I saw that it was me he was talking to. Uh, we had four young'uns, and I can remember when they were small, you know, I don't know, two months old, hold them up in front of a mirror. And they look in that mirror, but they don't know that's them. Yeah. And when they raise their arm up, they think that's a baby in the mirror raising its arm up. They just, they can't figure that out. But then at a certain age, I don't know what age it is, when it dawns on them who's in the mirror. Somewhere around 16, I guess. <laughs> it's them, they raise their hands and they make the motions and the faces because they realize they are the ones that's doing it and it makes it more entertaining because they are a part of what's in the mirror. I love being a part of what is in these parables and read them and say, Lord, I want to not only see the natural, I not only want to see the spiritual, but I want to see me. That's it. But there is one final world in every parable now. You have the natural world. You have the spiritual world. You have the individual. 
world. I mean, we are all individuals, individual worlds within ourselves. Yes. And it is here we find ourselves in there. But the last is we find the world of the eternal. In other words, the most important part about any parable is that God's in there. Now, if you miss God, you've missed it all. That's right. And I notice in these parables, every one of them, you will find the divine. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Sometimes all three will be in the same place. God working around in the parable. God working around in the story. The short story. Well, I'm glad God's working around, aren't you? In your life and in my life. And here he is in the midst of each one of these parables, standing somewhere in the parable, could I say it this way? Standing somewhere in the parable is Jesus saying, Hey, in the midst of your good, bad, and ugly, in the midst of your everyday life, in the midst of everything you're going through, I've come into your Somewhere in these parables, you'll find him. He's the sower. He's the rock. He's the sacrifice in the prodigal son story. He's the father of the prodigal. He's the Holy Ghost sweeping for the corn. He's the father that takes care of the sparrows and clothes the lilies. He's the thief that comes by night. He's the bridegroom that is coming. He's the owner of the field. He is portrayed in all of the parables. He's king, he's nobleman, he's master, he's host, he's husbandman, he's shepherd, he's the vine, he's the door, he's the bread, he's the water. He's all inside of there. So that you might be able to see him high and lifted up in the midst of your parable in these parables we see our surroundings we see ourselves but most of all we see our savior we see our Jesus even this entire book will do you no good unless you can see him in every phrase every word every passage and every book Jesus bringing all the parables all the worlds together he's bringing all the worlds together the natural of the spiritual the personal and the eternal so you can see him most important thing you'll take out of this meeting this week is not some sermon but Jesus a magnifying of the Son of God. Now, a couple of illustrations and I want to close with a, a caption. Any of you remember the paintings that used to be popular? They were called optical illusions. Anybody? Raise your hand. When they first come out, we notice people standing looking at a painting that everything on that painting had the same object hundreds of times. If it was dogs, it was the same dog painted the same way 
in each line, one line on top of another line. You remember that? It's kind of boring, really. It didn't make sense. Or if it was boats, it'd be one boat after another boat after another, and they all painted the same, and every line was the same. It filled the whole painting. Uh, if it was trains, it was trains the same way. And so we began to inquire, well, well, why, why are people standing looking at that? And they said, well, if you will look at it and focus on it, not bat, bat your eyes, give it full attention, at some point your eyes will focus unnaturally. Unnaturally, they said. And then that, that flat surface of a painting becomes three-dimensional. It's almost like you've stepped off into the world of that painting and you're able to see everything that has anything to do with that painting. For instance, if it's ships, uh, you'll see the dock and maybe you'll see a porpoise or two and some fish and the blue ocean and you'll see other little ships and bigger ships and you'll see the sky and you'll see the clouds. and It's like you, you, you'll step inside of it. When I found that out, me and the wife decided we'd stand there and look stupid for 20 minutes. <laughs> After about 20 minutes, she said, I see it. And she'd stepped inside of that train picture. And she got the, to describing the little red caboose and the engine and the conductor and people getting on the train, getting off the train and everything. It was, was three-dimensional painting on the inside. Any of y'all ever done that? Raise your hand so everybody don't think we're... All right, you're dumb too, right? And I said, well, I got to see it. I got to see it. And so I was looking at that little boat picture and all of a sudden it shifted. I can't tell you how. And I stepped inside of that three-dimensional. And that painting that seemed to be so mundane and seemed to make no sense at all, all of a sudden came alive with life. Yes. Had a reality to it that I could embrace. So it is with these parables. If you're just looking from the outside in, they don't make sense. Yeah. But somehow, if you can see yourself in there and see the Lord coming in there with you and you can see the divine in there amidst your natural, it takes your world and turns it upside down. It puts life into your life. When you understand there's more to it than just mundane, everyday, the same thing, Jesus is in there. He's in there. I guess uh, I would summarize it this way. Is that truly what, what happens in all of our lives? We are in a sense. And what it is, a parable is a short story with a heavenly meaning. All of our lives are, believe me, short stories. And they're all different. Short stories. But I'm glad for the day when Jesus stepped into my short story. I'm glad for the day when Jesus stepped into my parable. 
And Lord, what a short story it was. And what a parable it was. When you give your testimony about your past, that's a short story right there. That's a parable. But one day Jesus stepped off into your parable and filled it with heaven. Thank God. I'm glad for the day when my short story got filled with glory. My short story got filled with glory. a short story with heavenly meaning so that every day I live's got a heavenly meaning. Every place I go's got a heavenly meaning. Every pain I feel has got a heavenly meaning. Everything! Woo! Now here's the thing. Life can be hard. It can be good, bad, and ugly. But don't spend your time trying to fix all that and get out of the good, bad, and ugly. You can't do it. You wait on Jesus to show up. And honey, he'll give you life in the midst of the good, bad, and ugly. And he'll let you see something beyond the good, bad, and ugly. You are a parable. You are a parable. You are a parable. We're all short stories that the great parabolic speaker steps on the inside of us and stands right where we are on our street, on our avenue, by our hospital bed listening to the doctor's report as we listen to the doctor's report. Watching our child walk off into the far country, Jesus is standing there saying, I know all about it. I'm right here in your story to let you know that there's a heavenly aspect to this. I was preaching to a, uh, in a church recently, I think the max for the meeting was 20. (laughs) That's more than I want to be responsible for. And more than I feel worthy to preach to. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you give me two or three, I'll go that route. And the guy asked me about a certain meeting. He said, well, how many people come to that meeting? I said, I don't know, probably... For that one, camp meeting is about seven or eight hundred. He said, wow, he got 20. I know what he was thinking. I said to him, sir, when I got saved, I lived. The Holy Ghost doused me in the spirit of revival for two years. And the one thing that come out of that is this truth that I have never had ambitions of going higher. I'll be as happy with 20 as I will 200. The reason being is, is because, and I said to him, when I come to this little church with 20, this is all God wants out of me and all God's going to do through me. And this is, this is, this is it. 
That's it. That's right. And to realize that the God of glory is in your story as it is. And let him reveal to you the natural world, the spiritual world, personal world, the eternal world, the divine world. You ever look on a windless day at a pond that almost looks like glass? If it's clear pond, you can look at the life that's in that world. You can see the fish and you can see the logs and maybe a turtle in there swimming around. Whatever, whatever life is down there. Whatever is down there, that's what you see. But yet at the very same time, you can, while you're looking down into that pond, you can look at that glassy water and you not only see all the life that's in there, you see all the life that is around there. Yeah. You not only get to look down, you get to look up. That tree looks as real in that water as it does on that bank. That grass looks as real in that water as it is on that bank. You look as real on the bank as you look in the water. The clouds and the sky looks as real. You're able to look down and see up. What God intends to do in our stories and in our lives while we're having to live down here with all the reality that's in this life to look up and see that there's more to it. Hallelujah. Standing right there in your story, in your parable, is the Son of God saying, I come to your avenue. I come to your home. I come to where you've got those three or four babies. I come to where your sickness is. I come to your parable to put heavenly meaning in it. (laughs) And I love to hear people testify when they've been in, they've been down in the water. But they can testify of the heavenly meaning God brought to all of them. Come here. 